Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to Tech Point today. Our guest is Pascal, the CEO and co-founder at Bardin.ai. Hello. Hey, great, great meeting you and great to be on the podcast today. Thank you very much for joining us. At first, please tell us what your company does. Sure. Um, so at Bardin, we focus on um, automating and eliminating all those repetitive tasks that we all do every day. So I'm sure you're familiar with this you know, picture of having like hundreds of tabs open in your browser and you end up being kind of the one copy pasting data between different tabs and services as you do your yes. normal day-to-day work. And, and, and what we do with Bardin is we build AI-powered software that helps you to automate those repetitive tasks um, so that they either get done fully automatically or just a single click of a button. Um, and people use us for automations in sales, recruiting, project management, and very dis- various different kinds of automation workflows. So how does it work? What uh, things can you automate? Uh, can you explain it further or give us yeah, some sure. use cases? Yeah, sure. So um, we, we really believe in the idea of like bringing the automation agent to where users actually do the work, which mm-hmm. for most of us today is in the browser. So the way it works is it's a browser extension that has access to the screen that you're currently on and the full context of what your current work uh, is so the tabs you have open the services you're using the meeting you're in like all the context um, of, of of your work and okay. then what what you can do with it is you can essentially teach it or t- use pre-built automations um that automate repetitive stuff so i'll give you an example for example we're recruiting right now for various different roles um you know from engineering to go to market sales and so on um and as i do the recruiting i i find people on different platforms like linkedin github other services, and then I uh, save their data into um, a database. In our case, we use Notion, but you can also use like HubSpot, Salesforce, yes. other right. systems. Um, mm-hmm. And then I want to write a customized outreach email uh, to that person based on the information on their profile. So it's tailored, you know, like what the current role is from LinkedIn or what repositories like. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and, and obviously the context that I'm recruiting for, so the role uh, and a bit about the company. So um, previously, I had to do that like manually, copy paste mm-hmm. data around. It takes me like five, ten minutes every time I do it for for each individual candidate. And you know, to find someone really good, you need to sometimes reach out to tens, if not hundreds, of people. Um, so it's a very, very time-consuming task. Um, and today, with Bardeen, the way you know, for example, I use it for this recruiting workflow is I just click the button when I'm on on a profile that I like. I still make the decision. I still, you know, decide that like, hey, Christian is someone I think is interesting. I should reach out to him. Um, and then I click the button, and all the rest of the work so the copy pasting of the data into the database writing of the outreach email and so on is taken care of in the background so you can kind of imagine it as like a you know giving you automation superpowers right into your browser so oh that that seems amazing i'll, I'll need to give it a try <laughs> but please tell us uh, what are the top three features of the product yeah so um what what people love the most about Badin is like number one is like super intuitive to use so you can describe any workflow uh, in natural language, the way that you would describe it to your assistant or your team members. Um, and we then take this intent of the description and build the automation for you, other than in, you know, normal no-code builders, automation builders, where you have complex builder interfaces. And it's actually fairly technical to, to build automations these days. With Badin, it's just like you describe it in natural language and, and, and we take care of it for you. That's number well, one. Number two is that it works right where you are. You don't have to like context switch. You don't have to open another like browser tab to run the automation, but it's just like embedded into your workflow, yeah. super easy to access, um, saves you a lot of time. 
Uh, and then there's uh, actually some really exciting stuff that we launched literally yesterday around mm. like AI actions, which allows you to do, um, you know, very complicated workflows again with a click of a button. So things like uh, writing a full report based on some research topics or writing customized outreach emails for sales or recruiting that, that understand the context and that use, you know, language models today, um, to, 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 to power those automations. So, so there's a lot of like really powerful kind of building blocks, if you will, that you can plug into your automations um, on top of the existing, you know, like um, interactions with the website you're on or API integrations that we support. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. How about the pricing? How does it work? It's, it seems amazing. Yeah, so but we're, we're product-led growth company, so you can get started for free. It's a Chrome extension. You can download it for free, and then we give you two weeks of free trial for all the pro features. So some of the obviously more complicated tasks like AI actions and so on, they're, they're, they're pro features, but we give you two weeks for free. Um, and then even beyond the two weeks of trial, uh, you can use unlimited automations, unlimited uh, different um, workflow automations, as long as they don't include pro features uh, forever for free. Um, wow. So we want to make it super accessible to everyone out there. Um, and then in terms of like the pro features that the plan start at like $10 a month and then it goes up with usage. So um, that's, that's, it's very affordable. And our uh, mission is really to bring automation to everyone, make it super accessible. So that's throughout like usability, um, you know, the integrations we support, but obviously also pricing as part of it. Talking about the integrations, I saw that uh, you're really big on that. So I'm curious to know why is it so important and what are the most uh, used software that you integrate with? Yeah, sure. I mean, so it really depends, like in terms of like, why is it important? So we believe that like, if you want to automate uh, workflows in the most effective way, um, currently there's a few different approaches out there, right? You have this like background automation. So like the, if this, then that type logic, like something yes. happened in one app, you do something in another app super valuable but it's limiting in the sense that like i don't have a say in those automations like it's i, I don't as a human i don't make the decision as to who i want to add <laughs> to my to my candidates and so on yes um, so we want to make it like you know contextual uh, but at the same time you don't want to do like what typical browser bots would do is they would like click around the ui for you um, and you kind of have to sit there and observe the bot doing the work, which is, it's, it's, it's better than doing it manually sometimes. I mean, I sometimes might be able to do it faster manually than watching a browser <laughs> bot or an agent do it for me. Um, yeah. but, um, it, it's still not really solving the problem because I still have to like watch there and can't do anything else on my computer. So doing it with integrations, we kind of get the best of both worlds. We're embedded in the context and we have access to like the browser as an ecosystem and can do things in there. But we strictly prefer doing it through APIs because it's much faster, more reliable. You don't have to wait for the bot to click around and do it. It just happens in the background. So that's right. why they're really important part of our platform stack. Um, and then the integrations in terms of usage. So um, we see a typical usage pattern. Like there's obviously a lot of like databases people use. So that's like from Google Sheets to Notion, Airtable, um, or like more sophisticated, you know, databases like CRM systems, HubSpot, Salesforce, um, Affinity, those types of systems. That's like a really strong integration. There's a lot of stuff people do around communication. So again, we talked about like outreach to candidates. So that's an email integration. Um, you know, we have like Outlook and Gmail and more coming. You have things like Slack. Um, you have things like WhatsApp, Telegram, kind of for communication and messaging. 
And then there's the obvious stuff around, like, you know, people have a lot of meetings these days. So like integrations with your calendar, knowing like, you know, sending follow-up notes from there, super important part of the, the, the stack. And then there's a long tail of like, you know, more specialized things people do for like, for example, for lead enrichment and sales or, uh, you know, like AI integrations um, and things like that. We currently support about like 80 integrations and we're adding more okay. and more. Wow. Time. So, um, yeah. Congratulations. And I have to ask, how competitive is your space or is it, uh, are you the first company to solve this problem that way or how do you see the market? That's a good question. I think like if you look at the automation market as a whole, you kind of have these two big um, incumbent spaces. Um, one is like RPA, UI path, automation anywhere and so on. That solves like an enterprise driven, again, right. like UI based integration, like UI based automation super powerful things they can do but it's really complicated to set up reserved for like kind of fortune 500 to fortune 1000 companies complex to use and then on the other side you have the like if this then that automation triggers they're like purely back-end you know like make.com zap here you name it um tens of companies in that space um it's great for like automating these back-end workflows but again it's just like maybe 10 20 percent of what we do is purely reactive what we focus on is this proactive part where like i make a decision and then wow. there's this tail of stuff that I need to do. And in that space, it's really not that much. There's this very recent um, notion of like AI agents that has, has has kind of started happening ever since launch of ChatGPT and like more powerful GPT models like GPT-4 and so on, um, where people are trying to use these like fully autonomous AI agents to um, do tasks for them. It's a very nascent field. Um, and there's a lot of like drawbacks with them. They hallucinate. They're not super fast. They're not super stable. You give the same input. They give you two different outputs every time you try it. Um, and they're like very, very young companies. Like most of them don't even have a product on the market. Um, but the, we, we take kind of like part of the best of that ideas and approaches and bring it all together into this like easy to use platform. So we're trying to establish this new category of like proactive or active automation where we really haven't seen many other players in that space. I think that's brilliant. And uh, I want to hear the company story and when exactly did you start it? How, how did you come up with the idea? Yeah, so it's, we kind of like scratched our own itch, you know? So like um, my co-founder was uh, running a team at a larger organization. Um, and I, I also had like an engineering research team at Telefonica that I went. And um, we, we, you know, we had like really cool roles, but, uh, and on paper, it sounds amazing. But then you find yourself like doing all this like super annoying, repetitive work. Like I spent at least 20, maybe 30% of my time doing like literally just like copy pasting things from browser tab to browser tab oh. like, that we just talked about. Um, so, and then we looked out for like existing solutions. Again, UI pops up here, you name it to like solve that problem for us. And none of them quite cut it. So we hacked individually our own browser extensions together he called his product mini me and i called mine me.ai and we pitched it to a common friend who then put us in touch we knew each other before but like you know we kind of like really started working and thinking about this uh and and well, um you know, a few months later we decided to start a company and we built this platform to allow everyone to like build their own automations in an easy way that's amazing well <laughs> and how big is the team right now we are now just over 30 people. Um, so, uh, yeah, we try to keep it lean. We automate a lot <laughs> internally <laughs> ourselves. It's a um, game. <laughs> practice as you preach, exactly. Um, so we try to like keep it lean and mean and try to really like be, be one of the most efficient companies out there. I'm happy for you. Uh, have you raised any funding? 
yes, we uh, most recently raised our Series A round from from inside Big Venture Fund, um, and 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 then we've announced a few kind of strategic partnerships now with HubSpot and a few more that are coming. Um, and and the idea really is to like you know bring automation to everyone. I think um, a, a good way to do that is through partnerships. So so there's probably more coming there. But yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing. How about the product market fit? Are you confident that you found it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, look, um, it's an exciting space in the sense that there's many, many different problems you can solve with a platform that automates tasks. There are some areas where we have really, really strong resonance, again, like in sales, recruiting, project management, research type verticals. And the interesting thing is we have this like long tail of stuff that people can build on the platform that we couldn't even think about, like, Every now and then on our support channels, I see people asking questions about things that like we didn't even come up with um, in terms of like automating it. So I think it's a very exciting space and there's a very interesting definition of product market fit as to, you know, like you kind of have to go vertical by vertical. Yeah. Um, in some verticals, we, I, I think we have confidence that we're, we're getting there. Um, and then like overall, it's a, it's a very exciting problem to solve. So yeah, I would say yes, but there's still a lot more work to do as we expand. <laughs> What was your uh, biggest challenge in starting the company? Oh my God. <laughs> so many. I think... Um, or top three, some lessons learned, mistakes that you want to share. I, I, I will ask an open-ended question so you, you can answer it. Yeah, so I think it's uh, like the hardest decisions to always make is like, you know, around hiring, like building the team. Um, I'm super proud of the team we've built, um, working with, you know, a lot of people that I would consider friends at this point and, um, pretty much everyone in the team is like way smarter than <laughs> me or I would say my co-founder and, and, and that's something I'm really proud of. Um, uh, but there's obviously a lot of, you know, learnings that go into that. You bring people on board, doesn't work out and so on. Um, I think we also we also in the very beginning we we built a very technical product. So the very first version of Badin was kind of like a command line interface um, where you could like describe a natural language, but it kind of looked and felt like a command line interface. Uh, so it was like developers thought it was really cool, but like general audience, like you know salespeople and so on, they right. they struggled <laughs> with it a lot more. So um, that's something that I think um, we learned is. To, to really like, you know, if, you, if you're trying to do something that is usable by a certain audience, make sure that like the technical complexity level matches that. And especially like technical co-founders or technical founders, I uh, I know, you know, for my friends or people I advise and so on, uh, we tend to make that mistake a lot. Like we build very technical products for non-technical people and that becomes a challenge. Um, yeah. I don't know what else. I mean, there's so many things. Um, <laughs> But yeah. It's okay. <laughs> uh, my next question would be, how did you find your first customers? And what is the best go-to-market strategy that uh, works for you today? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I would say like, we, were, uh, like, we were our own first customers. Again, like, we kind of automated our own um, workflows in the very beginning, which I think is always good if you're the one using your own product. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a very fast feedback cycle. <laughs> like You build it, you test it, you see what's wrong. Um, okay. Okay. And then after that, we kind of expanded to, you know, like typical, we recruited friends. Um, obviously, we, we all have uh, friends who, who work in, you know, highly demanding jobs with very repetitive tasks. So um, we, we hopped on Zoom calls with, I would say, a few hundred people in the first year of the company where we just uh, 
on okay. Zoom, saw people struggle with the product. <laughs> I tried to figure out how to make it better. And like, you know, week over week, we shipped a new version of the product every week. So like week over week, it became better and we, we got closer to the goal. And we did that for like a good year and a half in the very beginning. We still do it. Um, we now obviously do it at a different scale and we let people onboard themselves. Also in the very beginning, it was like, you know, you had to kind of apply it to be onboarded and we only onboarded you, um, you know, individually to really maximize the learning for us and, and, and the product velocity. Then we opened it up to everyone. Now we have over 250,000 people. We obviously haven't onboarded all 250,000 <laughs> ourselves, yeah. um, but, but, but a good chunk of them we've talked to. So I think that's still something that works really well for us. And in terms of top of market, uh, top of funnel, so we go to market strategy. Um, one thing we really focus on is content and SEO. Um, so, um, you know, as previously mentioned, we have a very large surface of things we can automate. Um, so for each one of those, we have a landing page and we have like copywriting and, and, and so on that like the idea is that we match search intent from Google, for example, or other search engines, um, we match search intent to the, the right automation. And then that kind of gets us the foot in the door with a user. Say you're like looking to automate your whatever, like, you know, notion to zoom or zoom to notion, I think more, more useful, um, automation tasks, then like you will find a buddy landing page somewhere in the first, like one, two, three pages of Google search results. Um, and then that's kind of our foot in the door. And then from there we have, we're working on like, you know, the best possible like product onboarding that then tries to match the right user with the right automations. And we try to figure out like what apps are you using? What are your repetitive workflows and try to be proactive about it. I think one thing we learned is that most people have a lot of things that they can automate. And if you ask anyone, anyone I've ever talked to who, who, who works, you know, on, on, on web apps, they, they all know they have a lot of friction in their workflows and they want to automate stuff. Yet when you put a product in front of them that can automate things for them, um, they're struggling to try to find what's the right place to start and like, how should I start? What's the first thing to do and so on. So I think. Uh, one important part there that we're solving for is really to identify the right thing for the right user in the right context to kind of really close that automation loop. But right? it's one thing to be able to run automations. Many people have solved this. The other yes. thing is like yes. make it easy people make it easy for people to build automations or find automations. That's a much more tricky thing. I don't think many people have solved this. And then the third thing that's really kind of like fully closing the loop for you know the customer lifecycle is really like try to match the right person in the right context with the right thing to automate for. And that's a really like, I think still a largely unsolved problem in the market. And we really heavily invest in that. So, so that's kind of like our strategy in terms of go to marks, like get a foot in the door with search intent and then expand from there. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. What is the vision for the future of the company? Yeah, it's a great question. So really like our vision is to bring automation superpowers to everyone. So that means a few things, right? Like I mean, we talked about this before. It means like allowing, making it easy and accessible for everyone, like every knowledge worker out there, like everyone who's actually doing the work um, should be able to free themselves from boring and repetitive tasks. Um, so, so that's kind of like what we're working towards. There's a lot of like challenges and um, especially like AI solutions that we're still working on that we need to solve to come up with. It's a really hard problem. Many people have tried and not figured this out yet. Um, but I think we're on a really good track towards that. Um, and then the ultimate you know, goal for that is to really unlock human productivity, right? Like I think we, you know, collectively we're wasting like billions and billions of hours 
right. doing things that really we, people shouldn't be doing. Machines should be taking care of that. Um, and we think that as we start, you know, removing that friction from our workflows and freeing people from doing that, like there's so many more creative things and so much more progress things uh, in, in, in various different areas that people can make uh, just by removing that friction. So that's really kind of like what, what we see here is a value and there's a problem in society. Um, and it's kind of actually a funny situation because if you look at the last, you know, 10 years in software, um, we, we kind of went through this big unbundling, you know, like everything that you can imagine now, every workflow, now there's like 10 apps for that. So it kind of put us as the users into this weird situation where we are almost the routers between our different services that we're using. Um, and that's not the promise of productivity software, right? The promise of productivity software should be to help make our lives easier. Yet what happened over the last years is we got more and more products and more and more apps that were solving each one of like highly specialized problems that then put us in a situation where we have to have like 50 tabs open with 50 different apps to like really solve for our workflow. And that's not, I don't think that's like the right situation to be in. So we want to bring it kind of back together where you have like a few handful of apps, you really focus on the things that matter and all the like gluing and repetitive work in between is taken care of for you. I appreciate the, the honesty. <laughs> Thank you. And I think it's a great vision. I wish I, I am rooting for you. Uh, now we are at the last part of the podcast. So I want to hear your story, how you started your career. And if you have any advice for uh, starting founders, I'm not sure if uh, this is your first company, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you can give some, uh, some good advice. Yeah, sure. So my, my background is uh, computer vision. Um, started kind of like, you know, as a self-taught engineer, um, I built my first startup company in the agriculture space. Um, okay. It was a very interesting kind of very technical product focus. Uh, we really didn't figure out go to market. <laughs> that was the big first learning. It's like just build, <laughs> building something cool. Doesn't, like that's only a small part of like actually building a company. You have to build a team and a go to market. Yeah figure out a way to like get users to your product and get them to pay for it and so on. Um, and, and then I ran a, 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 a team at a company called Telefonica. They were investing into a long-term high-impact innovation. Um, so we kind of built this like moonshot lab kind of modeled after Google X. And um, that was a really exciting time, really exciting job. Like, uh, But again, we kind of identified this problem of <laughs> like so much repetitive stuff that we were doing. Um, and that's really where the idea for Badin came from. And then in between worked with a few other kind of startups and then and, and projects and so on. Um, but yeah. And I think in terms of advice, um, I, I don't know, so many things, but I think the first thing I would start with is like, find something that you're really passionate about. Um, that, 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 that's really like exciting to you. Um, for me personally, that's kind of like working towards AGI. I think there's a huge, you know, in the last, 10 years or so since I've kind of been working on this field, there's been an insane amount of progress. And like, you know, 10 years ago, everyone was laughing at you when you said that. Um, yeah. but, but, but now, you know, I think people are kind of confident that we're getting there sh shortly. And then the question becomes like, okay, if you, if you build these like powerful foundation models that can figure things out, um, you know, how do you put them to good use? How do you make sure that, um, they actually have the right impact um, on, on, on people's lives. And I think like one of the big, big impacts that commoditizing intelligence or building AGI should have um, 
is to free us from all the boring shit that we don't want to take care of, right? So like that's kind of the the reason we're working on this um, the, this product. And I think any any new or aspiring founder should think about like the big picture. Like what Absolutely. do you think is true in the about the world in a few years? Not necessarily today, but like what's true about the world, you know, in the near future or midterm future? And like, what role do you want to play in that? Like, what's the impact you want to have with that? And, um, and then kind of derive your decisions and what you want to work on based on that. Super valuable. I have one last question before we, we close. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite software product that you use, but apart from Bardeen? Ah, my favorite product I use. Um, I have to say, um, I think the, the most exciting thing are the large language model, the foundation models that have come out recently. So, and then different usage modalities, right? Whether that's like in chat GPT or we use it a lot in our internal products or um, I'm, I'm a big fan of like the new browsing experiences. So company like u.com or Perplexity that really, um, you know, kind of changed the search game. I think that's a very exciting thing. Um, so, and then, yeah, obviously any, any kind of like automation productivity software, I'm like, not a nerd about that, but yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to mention today on the podcast? Uh, no, thank you so much for, for, for having me. Um, would love to hear feedback and thoughts from the audience. If anyone has a, a you know, a burning automation need, please feel free to like reach out to our support team again, but it's free to, uh, start. So please, you know, head over to badin.ai and you know, download it, give it a try. Let us know if you have any thoughts and feedback. I'm always keen to learn from people. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pascal. You did fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man.